In Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, you have a demonic man that had not been able to be tamed by anyone. In the text that we uh, read to you this morning, there's a diseased woman who had done everything. She had been to every doctor. She had spent all of her life savings. She was completely isolated, and yet God is going to bring her healing. And then at the end of the chapter, what we'll study uh, next week is there was a dead girl. As if things couldn't get any worse. I mean, it's one thing to be demon-possessed. It's one thing to have an incurable disease. It's an entirely different thing to be totally dead. I would say that all three of these stories represent an enormous hopelessness, uh, no chance, an impossibility. And yet, what we also learn through Mark chapter number 5 is that what we consider to be impossible is not impossible with God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And he said that, to Mary in the context of Mary being with child when she was a virgin. Look, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a rocket scientist, but I can tell you there's certain things that just don't happen, one of which is a woman getting pregnant having never been with a man, but not with God. Nothing is impossible for God. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus looked at them and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. He's speaking there of the, the rich young ruler who had everything and he, he, uh, he turned away from Christ when Christ called out his covetousness. And he's telling these men, look, it's hard for wealthy people to get saved, but not with God. It's not impossible. It's hard for sure. They, they're self-sufficient. They think they have everything that they need. They don't, want, they don't think they need a religious help up or a religious crutch. And Christ says, however, God can even get a hold of the most self-sufficient person in the world. I think back to Genesis chapter 18. Whenever the angel says to Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? And in that situation, it was uh, Sarah and Abraham. She was well past her ability to conceive and have a child. And God reminds her again, over and over and over again, that I'm going to give you a child. It's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be this child from Hagar that you manipulated. It's going to be my child that I promised from Sarah. It's going to be, it's going to be Isaac. And he says, nothing's too hard for the Lord. Don't laugh. Don't act like this is not possible. And I remind you today, church, we have got to be reminded that nothing is too hard for God. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how far gone you may think it is or they are. Listen to me very carefully. Nothing is impossible with God. He is the great Physician. In our text today, we're going to see Christ's amazing power over physical sickness. And he's the ultimate cure for physical sickness. Number one, we see in the text a woman with an incurable disease. A woman with an incurable disease. Go back to verse number 25 again. It says here, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had a discouraging diagnosis. She had a problem in her body related to hemorrhaging, bleeding. And there's many speculations as to what it was. Suffice it to say, she had some sort of internal bleeding and maybe external bleeding that caused all sorts of problems and abnormalities in her life that put her in a very, very difficult and uncomfortable situation. She had suffered physically. When you were bleeding like this woman was with no cure, she would have been sick and anemic. She would have been pale. She would have had no energy at all. The least of her efforts to do anything at any time would have left her exhausted. She was plagued. She was whipped, if you will, by this. Not only had she suffered physically, she had suffered socially. 
Do you realize if she was not married at this point, she could not be married at this point under Jewish law. In fact, Leviticus chapter 15 says when a woman has an issue like this, she was to be completely isolated. She was to be completely socially cast out. If she was married, her husband could have divorced her. And if she stayed married, he would have had nothing to do with her because even by touching her, he would have become defiled. She was a social outcast. She had no friends, no one close to her, no intimate relationships, no close, uh, warm and uh, hugs and, and uh, relationships. No doubt it caused her to suffer emotionally. The Bible says this has been going on for 12 years. Think about it. That's 4,383 days, 144 months, 624 weeks, 105,192 hours of isolation, of suffering, of agony, of discouragement. Nobody uh, uh, calling, nobody being able to hug her in her lap, calling her mommy. Couldn't do the work of a, of a wife or her housework. She could not even prepare her family's food if she had it. No hugs, no kisses, no intimacy from her husband. She was isolated for 12 years, staring at the walls of her house. She was as good as dead. She suffered religiously. Leviticus chapter 15, verses 19 and 25 through 27 said she was considered to be unclean. Anything or anyone she touched would have been considered unclean. As a result, she could not mingle with people in public lest she cause them to be defiled. She could not even go to worship in the woman's court of the temple. This was a disaster. So be careful when you're reading your Bible. Just go, yeah, well, she had a little cut and she couldn't get over it. This was a very, very serious situation. But it wasn't just that she had a discouraging diagnosis. It's that she also had a discouraging prognosis. It's one thing to get a diagnosis that's bad. It's another thing if the prognosis is no better. You see, a diagnosis can come and they can say, well, you've got cancer. But a prognosis is it's only stage one and we think through treatment we're going to be able to cover it. Now, nobody likes to get the news cancer. But when you get the news cancer stage one and there's a very high chance of cure, then you're more likely to be encouraged by a diagnosis like that. See, this woman, the problem was not only did she have a bad diagnosis, she had a bad prognosis. And the bad prognosis was this. She had been to every doctor she could think of. She had spent every penny she had. And guess what? She got no better. Can you imagine the discouragement if you had a disease and nobody could label it? And you had been to every doctor in Jacksonville, every specialist, and and every doctor said the same thing. Oh, we can run this test, but it's $15,000, but it may work. And they try it. We've got this experimental drug. And it could work, but you try it and it doesn't happen. You've been to Mayo Clinic. You've been to the beaches. You've been to Baptist Hospital. You've been to, you've been to uh, St. Vincent's and every place you can go. You've seen, ev- they've referred you to uh, MD Anderson in Houston. They've referred you to Minneapolis to a, a hospital up there. They, you, literally, the Cleveland Clinic, anywhere you can go. And now that it's all said and done, You are absolutely drained. You have no money, no energy, nothing left to give. And guess what? Nothing changes. And you have no prospect of change. It's a pretty bad prognosis. You know, people are like this. People will take their infirmities or difficulties and they will go and seek out any doctor they can find to try to get them to fill whatever is missing in their life. Some will go to Dr. Dope. And they'll go see Dr. Dope and they'll try to 
cover up the pain that they're going through. They'll try to escape some of the hard realities of who they are and what they're dealing with. Some will go to Dr. Alcohol and they'll try to drown their problems away. They'll try to uh, uh, salve over what they're dealing with. Somebody will try Dr. Relationship and they'll bounce from girl to girl or guy to guy hoping that they will make up a, 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 a lapse in what they're going through and experiencing. Some will try Dr. Wealth. Only to find that Dr. Wealth will end them, uh, leave them as empty as it was before they ever had him. Some will try Dr. Social Media because they have no influence. They have no community. So they'll reach out in hopes that somewhere out there in cyber world, somebody will love me. Somebody will think that I'm important. Folks, I want to tell you, there is no doctor in the world that can feel and heal what you're dealing with outside of Dr. Jesus. Listen very carefully. It is true. And you need to understand this, that sometimes illnesses, brokenness, hardships will lead you to show you your need for Jesus Christ. And it's okay. Why did this woman come to the crowd in the first place? She needed something. She had tried everything. And she came stumbling into this crowd in desperation that maybe Jesus could help her. And I'm here to tell you, he can help you. I don't know what brought you here. I don't know why you stumbled in here. I don't know what piqued your interest in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that really doesn't matter. It is a good thing, whatever it is, that may draw me to Jesus Christ. And in this case, it was a sickness that brought this woman to Christ. So you see, first of all, a woman with an incurable disease. But secondly, you also see a woman with a heart of faith. Look, if you will, at verse number 27. I love this. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now at the end of the story, when Jesus talks about what this woman did, this act that she did, he says at the end here, verse number twenty or 34, daughter, your faith made you whole. So whatever happens in verse number 27, Jesus labeled it as faith. When this woman came to Christ and sought him out and reached out and touched the hem of his garment, listen very carefully, it was an act of faith that she reached out to Christ and Christ recognized it as such. And we need to understand today what faith is, what faith means, and the importance of faith in our lives. Let me say this, no one anywhere under any circumstances can have a relationship with God outside of faith. Your relationship with God is completely based on faith. It's not about what you do. It's about faith in what Jesus Christ has already done. So let's look at this woman's faith. First of all, she heard about Jesus. I like that, don't you, in verse 27? She had, heard, she had been to doctors. She had heard, heard some bad reports. And somewhere along the way, Either in a crowd, maybe she was discouraged and stumbling block uh, back from a doctor's appointment. Maybe she was uh, just happened to maybe engage a friend who was even willing to risk talking to her even if she couldn't. Maybe somebody sat down over coffee and just said, listen, I know you've tried a lot, but have you heard about this guy named Jesus? i got to tell you, I thank God for whoever it was in this story that said something to her that you've tried everything there is to try, but you haven't tried the one thing that actually just might help you. Aren't you thankful for the person in your life that when you were trying and you were struggling and you were down and out, looked at you and said, you know what you might want to think about? You might want to think about a relationship with God. I love that song that's out right now. Let me tell you about my Jesus. It's kind of where this woman was. No doubt somebody said, are you past the point of heavy? 
Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Because shame's done all its stealing and you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus who can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years and tell the past to disappear. Let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you would go and undo if you could who can work it all for your good. Let me tell you about about my Jesus. He makes a way when there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my... Y'all ain't hearing me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. That's what somebody said to this girl. Somebody said, I got somebody you need to meet. I've got somebody you need to talk to. I've got somebody Somebody, you need to reach out and touch. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word, somebody, somewhere said, let me tell you about my Jesus. Listen, I want to I I give you an application here before I move on. Church, if you're not careful and I'm not careful, we can get so comfortable where we are. I said this in 2018 before... Most of you were even here. I said, my only fear about leaving this little ratty hole church over on Lone Star Road and Lillian and Arlington Road over on the corner of Kevlar and Drive-By, <laughs> right beside the Plasma Donation Center and the Dope House. Yeah. I said, let me tell you my concern about coming over here to this property is that we will lose our focus on what is really important. And I'll tell you right now, and I mean it, I would trade this multi-million dollar property in in one second to have the passion for people that we have once had. And let's just be honest about it. Most of us don't have it. Most of us aren't telling anybody about my Jesus. Most people aren't. I haven't given more than just a thought every once in a while on Sunday morning when I say something about it, about what's happening next week. About an opportunity to reach out and tell somebody about my Jesus. It concerns me. It concerns me. I'm glad that this woman had somebody to tell her about They're Jesus. So she heard about Jesus. Secondly, she believed in Jesus. Verse 28 says this. It says, for she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be well. Why did she reach out and touch his clothes? This is crazy. She reached out and touched his clothes because she actually believed that even in his hem of his clothes, there was power to save. She had faith in her heart. The Bible says, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. The very first step in coming to Jesus, you've got to believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You're not going to come to Jesus by your efforts. You're not going to come to Jesus because you're good. You're not going to come. Do you think this woman was going to come to Jesus and say, hey, look, look at everything I've done to be healed. Look at everything I've done to be helped. No, she was desperate. And that's how you come to Jesus. You don't come to Jesus because you've got it all together. You don't come to Jesus because your life's already all working out. You don't come to Jesus when you've turned the corner, when you've got it all fixed. No, you come to Jesus because he's got something that you don't have, and he can do something that you can't do. 
She believed it. And then she reached for Jesus. Look at what it says again in verse number 28. I love this. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how this went down. But evidently, she was teetering between faith and, and not faith. I mean, you know what? You know the guy that says, I believe, help my unbelief. That's what she was. And she, she evidently snuck up in the crowd, wiggled her way through. No doubt, probably covered herself completely so that nobody would know who she was. Because remember, the condition that she's in. She has wedged her way through the crowd, tried to be incognito, reaches out only to just try and desperation, reach out and try to just grab a hold of him just for a second, and she does. And immediately, the Bible says that she was healed. She reached out to Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you know how somebody actually gets saved? Do you want to know how somebody actually becomes a Christian? Very simply, when you reach out by faith and put your trust in Christ Jesus. And the Bible tells us how to do that. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hear it very carefully. Believe in your heart, okay, and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That is a reach of faith. What is the difference between you who are saved and you who are not? It's not do you believe in God. It's not do you believe in Jesus. It's have you actually reached out by faith and taken a moment to place your confidence in Jesus Christ. This woman did. Friend, listen, next week I'm preaching a simple message called I've Got Some Good News. It'll be about 20 minutes max before the food trucks. And I'm just going to simply teach people the good news of Jesus Christ and I'm going to call upon them to reach out by faith and touch the Master. Have you done that before? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So you see the woman with a heart of faith. And I love this, number three, you see a Savior with the power to heal. You see the Savior with with the power to heal. Verse 29, verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, watch it, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His touch. It only happened from a touch. But I got to tell you tonight, this touch was powerful. The Bible says he felt that virtue or that power had left him. And then she felt immediately a sense that this healing had taken place. She knew it. He knew it. She knew it. Folks, listen, this wasn't some faith healing demonstration at some civic center where everybody was screened to get on stage and get knocked in your head by some false teacher. That's not what this was. This was an immediate, no fanfare, no video cameras, no show, no demonstration, no screening. It was a woman who had faith and a savior who had power and it didn't take all night. Come on. It didn't take a treatment. It didn't take three months. It didn't take a, here's ten pills. Do it. Let's do a follow-up visit. I am telling you that the power of Christ was demonstrated in this woman's life just like the power of Christ could be demonstrated in your life. He's powerful. You believe that? My God can do anything but fail. He was powerful, but not only was he powerful, I love this, he was personal. In verse number 34, it says that, or excuse me, he looked around to see who had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. I want you to hear these words. I want you, I want you to, before I read them, I want you to just stop. Stop. 
And I want you to, before I read these words, I want you to get your thinking cap on. And of everything I've told you about this woman so far, I want you to listen to what Jesus says to her. Daughter. Daughter. She's an outcast out there. She's a daughter in here. Come on. She wasn't sitting at a table with anybody else before, but now the banquet hall is open. Why? She's a daughter. Don't you love that? This is personal. To Jesus, she was not just a certain woman, like verse 25 says. Oh, no. She was a precious creation. She was a daughter of the king, and he wanted her to know who she was. Friend, I got to tell you, nobody will treat you like Christ will treat you. And in Mark chapter number 5, earlier, you see what the devil does to somebody in the demoniac. And now you're starting to see what Jesus does in somebody's life. The most astonishing thing about this text is how personal he was with her. The confirmation that he gave to her. That yes, she was an outcast. Yes, she was broken. Yes, she was separated from God, from the temple. But now she was welcome. And I want to tell you, friend, the banquet table of Jesus is always open. The front door to Jesus' house is always open. There are no strangers. There are, come on, there are no outcasts. There are no orphans with God. He says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He had compassion. Think about it. He touched her. He touched her. When everybody else avoided her and shut her out and acted as if she was nothing, he broke through all societal and religious barriers and touched her. Michaela Vish on Tuesday night was caught in a house fire up in the Detroit area of Michigan. Caught in a house fire, she had three children, her oldest being 13 and her youngest being one. She heroically pulled her children out of the home and suffered 60% burns over her body, first, second, and third degree burns, and today is laying in a hospital wrapped up like a mummy. She will likely be in the hospital for up to eight months. But she rescued them, all three of them. And friend, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you. He ran into your burning house and you were doomed and you couldn't so much as even see your way out. And he ran into Calvary and he took the beating and the nails and the spear in his side, and the broken bones, and the beard plucked out of his face, and he did it all for you. He went into your burning house and absorbed what you would have experienced on your behalf so that you could walk away free, so that you would be unscathed by the judgment of God. That's what Christ did for you. That's what Christ offers for you today. I want to encourage you today, if you've not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, to do so. You know what's sad about this chapter? Think about the rest of the crowd. That opportunity was for everybody. Think of how many people had no restriction on their salvation. 
saw miracles, heard teaching, but only one person in this crowd brought their faith to be healed. W.A. Criswell said these were sweet people. And yet it's possible to come near to Jesus and receive no blessing at all, to come to church and never find Christ, to look at the cross and never find salvation, to hear the word of God and never be taught by it, to come and even see Jesus and never receive his blessing. How wonderful it is to be like that poor, miserable woman in faith and love looking to our Lord and being saved when she walked away. But don't be like that. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you're not sure if today, if you died, that you'd be on your way to heaven, listen, do not walk away like that crowd. Reach out today in faith and trust in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you have some other burdens on your heart, some things that you think are impossible, difficult, long-standing issues, prayer requests, burdens, relationship issues, addictions, brokenness, whatever. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus can heal you and take it away. And here's the bottom line. This is a foretaste of glory divine, isn't it? Oh, there are times where he does heal completely. There are times when he does take away sorrow in this life. But here's what I want to tell you. In Christ, he will ultimately and finally heal everyone in Christ in heaven when it's all said and done. Aren't you glad to know that if a doctor stands over you this week and says, hey, you got cancer and you don't have much time to live, even though that would be tragic and sad and we would be, we'd be, we'd mourn your passing here, aren't you glad to know that the minute you close your eyes in death, you would wake up in eternal life with Christ and even if you weren't healed here, you're healed there. Because only in Christ is there ultimate and eternal healing. Let's pray together. We're going to do our prayer time during the invitation today. I I did this intentionally today. I, um, I wanted to end our service with prayer, obviously in an invitation for salvation. But I also want to mention a few things that I want to pray for. And I want to give you the opportunity, if you would like to be prayed for or prayed with, to come during this invitation while these folks lead us in worship and pray. First of all, I want to pray for our events tonight and next week. Look, if you don't have anything else to pray about, you can pray about that with us. Pray for lost people. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel tonight, for invitations to be given for next week. Pray for the offering that we're trying to raise. You can see we're going to do it with or without you. <laughs> but I think God's people need to come together and provide the money needed for the renovations that we're going through. We want to pray for Stephen Purse today. He's... He's got COVID. He's not doing well. Got a text from his wife this morning, Brianna, that he's not doing well. He's young. We're going to pray for him. He's, he's, he's not doing well today. I'm sure there are other things that maybe I missed. Anybody else? You don't have to mention it, but you just say, man, I got, I got some burdens. I got some things I'm carrying, and I'd like to pray today. Just lift your hand, would you? Just lift your hand. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you. Look, I know, I know that uh, there's not a lot of space here, but... You can come. I'll pray with you. We've got some men here that can pray with you, ladies that can pray with you. Let's stand, and we're going to worship. We're going to 
We're going to pray together. Go ahead, stand right now.